0: Welcome to the MP3 Podcast, Mastering Personality, Perspective, and Productivity, where we believe you need a stronger foundation for a higher elevation. We invite you to listen as we talk about personality, to connect and understand, perspective to explore and shine, and productivity to demonstrate and resolve. And now, your hosts, Ariel Kopack. And Roger Wolkoff.
1: Have you ever thought that perhaps you're a little too sensitive? Or perhaps that someone else is a little too sensitive? What does it mean to be sensitive? To be sensitive to others? To be sensitive yourself? We use the word sensitive in so many contexts, but do we really know what it means? How aware and caring, and careful should we be about the feelings of others and about the feelings ourselves. This is a topic that is important to me as life experiences have helped me to understand that sensitive is not a one-dimensional topic. And the feelings of others and the awareness of feelings for ourselves is an ongoing journey of learning and understanding, which makes it Mm -hmm challenging, sometimes scary, unnerving, uncontrollable, but no less important, valuable, and producing of positive or negative results. Doreen Virtue says, when we realize that sensitivity is a gift and not a liability, that's when we start to get our strength. Roger, what does being sensitive mean to you?
2: Great question. (laughs) I think you hit on two key things just before. Two words resonated for me. It's about caring and it's about awareness. So I used to believe that sensitivity was a liability. I really did. We're going to talk about this with each of our stories in just a second. But when I think about sensitivity, the first word that really comes to mind is an awareness. At first thought it was awareness of self that I was overly sensitive. You started off by saying, what does it mean sometimes? Are we overly sensitive? Or are we not sensitive enough, right? You and I talk a lot about the spectrum of emotions and feelings and everything on this podcast. So I'm glad that we're also talking about it's a sensitivity to others. This topic, I'm glad when you brought up we were gonna do personality and sensitivity because it dives into emotional intelligence too, right? Uh, so many times I've talked about self-awareness and self-management and then social awareness and relationship building. So sensitivity plays a key role. So when we talk about it, I love coming from this place of strength in that quote.
1: I love how you broke out the self-awareness and the social awareness that really helps to clarify too. There's sensitivity in your self-awareness and there's sensitivity in your social awareness. I think that's great to have those as kind of our places of talking about sensitivity because words change based on the context. The meaning of words change based on the context. And so these different contexts change the definition that we're talking about when it comes to sensitivity. And sensitivity actually has more than one definition. In one definition, it means to be easily hurt or damaged, especially easily hurt emotionally. And the second definition is delicately aware of the attitudes and feelings of others. So there's actually two separate definitions of sensitivity, and we're talking about those being different based upon the context.
2: And it's important to understand that. I don't think we can make that point emphatically. It's about both. Mm -hmm. right? We understand. So those of you listening, yes, we understand it's about you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So definitely, if you're nodding your head listening to this as you're walking or driving, yes, we get it. And it is also about the feelings of others. I'm curious, Ariel, when we talk about sensitivity, what does that bring up for you? What's your story around sensitivity?
1: So when I think about sensitivity, I think about when my dad told my mom, my dad who adopted me. So he met me a few years into my life. And he told my mom, she is too sensitive. And he said it. Yes. He said it and meant it from a really caring place. Because Mm. at the time, I couldn't take a joke. This comes back to me being very literal. My best friend still teases me about how literal I am, which makes me very gullible. I probably should not share that with people on the podcast because then people tease me and they catch me. I'm very gullible because I'm so literal.
2: I wouldn't say that about you. (laughs) Oh, wait, I just kind of did the thing Uh there. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, I get it, yeah. Very literal. Back to literal. With
1: being very literal, I couldn't take a joke because I interpreted sarcasm and all of that as serious, as literal, and I never Mm -hmm. wanted to do anything wrong. So I was very sensitive in the context of I didn't want to do anything wrong. I wanted to please my parents, please authority, and that led to me being very sensitive to feedback or to jokes and such. And so when I think about sensitive... I think about how I was very sensitive to the feedback or to comments from others and how I turned that into a perception or into interpretation of what they thought about me or what that meant about me. And in that way, I was too sensitive as a kid because I cared about being, I don't want to say perfect, but yeah, I've, I call myself a recovering perfectionist, right? <laughs> and I hated sure. the term, but people called me Little Miss Perfect. I hated that term, but they called that and then kind of created that expectation so I was very sensitive from anything that kind of took away from that self-perception or expectation. And the ironic thing is that I was very sensitive as a kid, and perhaps my feelings were very fragile when in those contexts. And yet, I found it sometimes difficult to communicate sensitively to others. So we're going to talk about how that happens. How is it that you can be sensitive in one way, and yet struggle to be sensitive to the feelings of others? And that's because there are two different meanings
2: of the word sensitive. In one sense, I hear you 100%. It is ironic and understandable. Mm -hmm. Completely understandable when you put it that way. Yeah. And now with awareness, you and I can have those joking moments. And you've had to call me out too. And that depends on the relationship too. You've called me out too said, seriously, are you being sarcastic right now or not? <laughs> <laughs> because that's some of my sense of humor. So mm-hmm. I understand that. So that speaks to sensitivity. And I too need to be sensitive to when that sarcasm or that humor is not appropriate or not being used in the right context. Thank you for sharing that story too. Yeah.
1: Yes. And as I said, I'm very thankful to my dad. So the full story, which I will share yeah. accordingly was my dad said, she is too sensitive. I didn't get to the, re- actually realizing that I didn't get to the, End note of that story, my dad actually teased me over and over and over again. And it made me very no. upset. Yes. He teased me oh over, my. And over again. And it would make me very upset. I was very sensitive. And my parents though still remember, and I still remember the moment where I just got fed up and I didn't want to be teased anymore. And so I started being sassy back. And then he was like, All right, there we go. There she is.
2: <laughs> oh my. <laughs> but he
1: did it actually to train me to not be so sensitive. Mm to start to distinguish that not everything was literal and not everything was attack against me. And he actually kind of toughened me up a little bit, which I'm very, very grateful for. So I think there is a bit of a balance of sensitivity, learning and teaching and guiding others to be aware of their sensitivity and where that's coming from. And I'm very grateful to my dad for conditioning me in that way. And now sometimes I still miss it, but I love sarcasm. I love teasing. I actually say to others now that I see teasing as an act of love, because my brother teases me, my dad teases me, the people who love me tease me. So now I see it as an act of love. But in the past, I was in quotes, too sensitive as a kid. So it's okay to joke.
2: <laughs> it is. I'm sorry, I cut the story off no, shortly, didn't. but what a powerful conclusion to that. So you learn through experience, but that can be tough. Mm-hmm. I understand that I grew up as a sensitive kid, and I was overly sensitive. I would say overly sensitive to how other people felt. So, yeah, there were some elements of that self-sensitivity. I was concerned about what people would say about me or whatever, but I grew up just always sensitive to what other people around me were thinking and feeling. And I kind of thought of it as that liability or that curse. Like people would say, you're smart and you can kind of intuit what people are feeling or you know, they would put it in terms I could understand. And I was like, why do I do that? Why is that? I didn't know that this was a good thing mm-hmm. to have or do. The strength. It was a strength. Yeah, it was a strength. And later on, I even got, without knowing how to manage it, so the self-management part of emotional intelligence, without knowing how to self-manage that sensitivity, which comes out as emotion sometimes, I would get razzed or criticized and all that for it. So it was a learning process about that part of my personality where I am sensitive, right? The F part of my preferences for feeling, ENFP, the feeling part. So my preferences for feeling. And feelings are something that we all Many of you may resonate with this. You know, sometimes you get teased for them. Like, well, you just said you got teased for it. Your sensitivity. Well, yeah, I would get some of the same stuff. And some of that was gender related. Some of it was not. But still it was like, oh, Rod, you care. Care. How how nice. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I care. What are you making fun of me for, Skippy? Come on. I I care. Don't you? And then I realized, well, not everybody is built like me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it can happen on the other side. The sensitivity, that's the spectrum I grew up with on that side of it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, I love you pointing out the, how for you being younger, it was more about the sensitivity with others and your realization that actually not everyone thinks this way or has that level of awareness all the time or sees things the way that I do, makes the connections that I do to the awareness of the feelings of others. And I know that that frustrated you in your career, even not only as a child, but when you were an adult in the corporate world and working with others, Still getting frustrated by others, not seeing things the way that you do or or having that awareness of the feelings of others.
2: It really came up with those who were on the other side. When we talk about, and I think this is a good place to introduce, I just brought up the F part, the preference for F. The other side of that is what, Ariel? Preference for?
1: T for thinking.
2: Right, right. So Mm -hmm. that's part of your personality. Yes. That's your preference. And so when I would work with people who think like you in that more logic-oriented approach or that kind of approach, I would get frustrated with them and they would get frustrated with me because I did not have an awareness for where they were coming from. So they're hitting me with all kinds of logic. Well, you know what? Let's go into the decision making part. These are the facts. These are the things I'm using to come to this decision. And they would look at me and say, don't you see it? I'm like, Yeah, I do. But thinking is, you know, secondary. (laughs) Thinking preference is secondary for me. So I'd be like, yeah, I do. But let's talk about how we feel about this decision. So when I say that, do you wince a little bit, Ariel? Does it make you wince a little?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm being transparent.
2: (laughs) It may, right? You know, so you and I both have a little more awareness, but right, you know, so with people doing that, they'd be like, oh my gosh, really? He's going there? We're going to talk about this? So I was coming at it from the point of a group consensus. I wanted to know the impacts of how it affected other people. Not that the thinkers, those with the preference for thinking, didn't care about that. Right. They just had a different sensitivity to the decision-making process. And once that was pointed out to me, I began to have more of my aha moments like, oh, okay, that's where they're coming from. How do you think about it?
1: Yes. So when it comes to the preference for thinking or feeling, that's in the decision-making. So when we approach decisions, both aspects are important. Both approaches are important in thinking about, all right, what's the bottom line? What's the objective? What's What are the facts and the logic that needs to be accomplished? Um, what's the impact to the numbers, right? All of that really is important. It needs to be addressed. Also, how is this going to affect other people? How is this going to impact the uh, people who have to implement our decision? How are they going to feel about it? How are how is this going to impact the culture of the group or of the company? Uh, our our how will this make our clients our customers feel? All of those things are extremely important, and it's important to realize that each of us have a dominant preference for our decision making. So. Having those different ways of coming, it's it's kind of like your dominant preference. It's always kind of it's always kind of going to be your dominant preference, but the more that you can bring in the opposite preference, the more you can have a well-rounded decision. So when you say Ariel, uh, you know, do you ha- does that make you twinge a little bit? I now also understand so much. Understand the value of that and appreciate it, but there's still a little bit of me from uh, just how my mind initially works. If I'm being transparent about my, how my mind is initially working, I'm like, let's just do it. needs to be done. (laughs) The feelings really matter in the context of like, let's just move along. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being transparent about how my mind works, not how I communicate, but how my mind works.
2: (laughs) Yes. And those moments right there, oh my gosh, you just triggered so many fun memories of my project management meeting. (laughs) Because yeah, there would be you, that person in the room Mm -hmm. that would say exactly that. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right, Ariel. Yeah, we can. There are some other things we need to get to. And I want to be clear. It's not that you don't think about them, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that. You do think about the impact to people and the change and all that. You do. It might not be what comes first. And by the way, when I kid you about twinging, I had the same reaction when people would say something like you just said to me, can't we just make a decision? I'd be like, oh, come on. Really? That's where you're going. And all the judging that comes along with that. But yeah, I'm with you 100%. And I applaud you for saying that. Yeah, you, can't we just get to the decision? It's like, yeah, yeah, you're right, we can. And that's a good thing, right? So when I hear that, when I hear that perspective, I'm more inclined now to think, okay, when Ariel says that, I need to take a step back and realize and respect the value of your decision. All right, Ariel just made a decision. Why? You were able to get someplace that I'm not there yet, maybe? Or I want to know, okay, how did you jump from everything I just told you to getting to that decision and having the kindness and the awareness to ask you, how did you get there? And asking in a kind way. We all know we've asked questions in sarcastic ways. Like, really? How'd you get there? Don't do it that way. But you've been so kind when you've made decisions along the way about how we do things on the podcast or other business ventures, right? You've said you've gotten someplace and I'm like, man, how'd you get there? And you've been very kind to say, okay, you connect the dots for me. And you make space for me to ask questions about, well, did you think about this? Did you think about how your clients are going to feel? Did you think about how my clients are going to feel? Did you think about how our listeners are going to feel? And you're like, oh, yeah, I did. You do. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So you're not a cold monolith. (laughs) Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) No, but sometimes we can go there, right? We can go there in our minds. And I'm saying that jokingly, that sometimes people think that Mm -hmm. when they're working with someone who has a preference for thinking, preference thinking. So yeah, it helps to see that other side.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I, as I said, have been through some experiences that have taught me to, even if my mind is thinking that, to not communicate that way, to take a pause and appreciate the other perspective and value And I think I've straight out said that to you, Roger. Thank you so much for bringing that awareness or that question to me because sometimes I thought of it, but sometimes I hadn't. That thought never crossed my mind because if the thinking preferences make a decision based on logic and move forward, so oftentimes if you're caught up in efficiency or productivity and you're moving forward, you don't make mental space for those thoughts, for, okay, how will this impact others? What are they going to feel? What will this communication... Create as far as what people perceive about you, me, us, right? About the company, about whatever the project, whatever that may be. So bringing both lines of thought are extremely important because you can't get so caught up in the feelings of others that you're constantly in back and forth because you're trying to please everyone, right? There's a balance there of we're not going to please everyone. We have to move forward. There has to be a decision, even if we can't make everyone feel great about it. And if we consider other people's feelings, we may see a great opportunity that we would otherwise miss. Or we may make a huge mistake because we didn't consider about the impact to our clients or to our employees that could have a devastating impact.
2: Yeah, you brought up something that is so true that there are times when, yeah, <laughs> enough feeling already, <laughs> enough talking about that line of reasoning or that approach to the decision making. And I so value, that's why it's so important to have a huge complement of different types of thinkers thinking decision-making types on your teams or in your business or to surround you in your personal life too, because they do bring that other perspective. And it's gotten me to move closer to center and think or pay more attention to my thinking preference than I had before. So totally value that. And I was going to say, I totally value you people, but that just wouldn't come out (laughs) right.
1: Oh, good. I know what you mean. I think we're hitting on a certain point when it comes to leaders and their teams and those whom you work with. It is easier sometimes to just talk with and work with, especially when you're on a team where you have to make a lot of decisions together. It can seem a lot easier, seem to make a lot more sense if you just have people with a similar decision-making type working together, right? Because I experience this when I talk with someone who has a preference for thinking. I pick up on it quick and I'm like, oh, this is fun because we can just keep moving really fast and like (laughs) decide and go, decide and go, decide and go and not get caught up in the the thinking of the other preference, that is more work for me, right? It doesn't mean that that I'm not capable of that or I can't think of that, but it is more mental work, more energy that is put forth to go into that additional decision-making process. So Mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm talking with a thinker, it's just like move, 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 move. And I feel that I don't have to kind of slow down to put myself in that other decision-making process. And it happens on the feeling side too. I see that when those with preference for feeling speak together, it's like, oh, you see this too. You understand the impact of the feelings of others. I don't have to explain this. I don't have to ask a lot of questions to extract that because they just reveal it because that's how their decision-making process is. That's the information that they made their decision with. So that's what they're expressing. You're just like, yep, 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 got it. Versus feeling like you have to extract your input and again, transfer over to the other decision-making process. So it can feel a lot smoother. Easier, seamless when you're making decisions with someone who has the same decision-making preference as you, but that's not always the best thing for you, your company, your people, your team.
2: No, it isn't. In here, I thought you didn't get people like me, but you do. <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, the caution, very, very good caution here. Make sure you are surrounding yourselves with some diversity. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Very. Important. So, what would be your takeaway for folks for this episode?
1: I want to capture when we talk about thinking preference and feeling preference for decision-making, it can sound a little bit, I don't want to say complicated, but it can sound kind of large, overwhelming, or like, what does that really mean? How do I identify that? And identifying that just comes with awareness and some language patterns identifying over time. But the way I kind of help to put it in overly simplistic terms is someone with a feeling preference tends to have a bit more of a subjective approach in that they're going to think about The individual, the impact, the feelings, you're going to have more of that sensitive awareness to the feelings of others. That's an advantage. Those with a preference for thinking are going to have more of an objective approach. They're going to think more about the impact overall and have less of an awareness to the feelings of others, perhaps some sensitivity in that context than those with a preference for feeling. But remember, this is under the definition of sensitive to the feelings of others not sensitive to the feelings of oneself, that is not about preference for thinking or feeling. That's a misconception. This is about decision-making. And that ties to the sensitivity of the awareness of others. So when you have the awareness of those preferences, it opens up the door to asking questions, to checking your assumptions. And if you perceive someone as being insensitive, they may be unaware, or they may not realize that they have less sensitivity, less awareness of the feelings of others in a certain situation, especially when they're in a decision-making mode. Or they may have heightened awareness to the feelings of others in their decision-making mode. Identify that, appreciate it, learn how to utilize it, incorporating it in your decision-making with your team, with your choices. Surround yourself with people who do think like you so you can have the enjoyment and ease of that and feel understood, but also surround yourself with people who think differently from you who can bring that other perspective in. I like that. Roger, what are your takeaways from our conversation today?
2: Well, I would say buy-in is priceless, right? You want to honor both sides. Back to what we talked about there. If you don't, you're going to have fallout. And that's the biggest thing I can bring from my experience, not only as a project manager, but my experience as working in emotional intelligence, right? We all have access to both sides of our decision-making abilities and preferences, but one will be primary. I want you to take the time, go through the process of both. And as you said, utilize those who think differently from you to develop your less developed decision-making preferences. It's not about the one with the most control to get someone to see their side, right? It's about having the flexibility to see both sides and think from different angles to bring others alongside you towards resolution. That's what I'd like to leave people with.
1: Love it. So regardless of what decision-making preference, you're both looking for resolution and you both, whomever you both may be, bring a lot to the table towards that resolution. I love that, Roger. Until next time, this is Ariel and Roger, helping you to master your personality, perspective, and productivity. Thanks for listening.
0: Be sure to follow Ariel and Roger on your favorite social media channels and to rate the show highly where you listen to your podcasts. Now, Ariel and Roger have three asks of you. Share this with at least one person who may benefit from this content. Capture your three takeaways from this episode and visit www. mp3-podcast.com to subscribe to the podcast and to get contact information for your hosts along with their upcoming coaching and speaking events thanks for listening to mp3 mastering personality perspective and productivity where we believe you need a stronger foundation for a higher elevation